0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. What if I would ask you, how are you really doing? What would your response be? Some of you are ah, like, okay, there's not as much, okay. You know, I, I kind of was set, setting you up on that one, just so you know, because oftentimes we we tend to come in church, and I don't know if you're like me. I always approach someone. I'm like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, good. And they approach someone else, approaches me, and they're like, hey, how was your week? And I'm like, good. And I'm like, they don't really want to know what, you know, what my week was like. They don't really want to know how I'm doing. But the answer, if you really want to know, is I'm not okay, and that may be your answer too. I, you know, I'm not saying that's for me right now, but um, but your answer may be. While you may have said good, your really your your true answer, your honest answer, if you weren't lying in church, would be. <laughs> Let's just be honest about it. I'm just not okay. I'm not okay. Um, I know that we come come here to this place. Um, with all kinds of different backgrounds, maybe your work is stressful. Maybe, um, maybe your family is going through a lot of discouragement right now. Maybe, maybe you've experienced lo- loss recently, or maybe there's a lot of unknowns going on. And um, I just want to let you know right off the bat, as we begin our service this morning, as we go to God's word, it is okay not to be okay. It is okay not to be okay. And uh, today, as we go to go to scripture. Uh, The blessing is is that there are some examples of some people in Scripture that we know did not always have it all together, that went through some really difficult times, and uh, God was able to minister to them and to encourage them. And I hope that today would be the same thing for you. Um, God would be able to minister to you through His Word. Um, as we go to scripture today, we've been in the series in the book of Acts. Um, we're in Acts chapter 18, if you want to open up there. And um, we are going to meet a man today who, if uh, he was sitting here in church, or if I were to approach him on Sunday morning, like, hey, how you doing? He probably would have said, man, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm too blessed to be stressed, right? Some, some of us say that, right? Um, I, I, I'm... I'm, I'm killing it for the kingdom. You know, I'm serving God. I'm doing great. You know, things are happening. God's moving. I'm I'm just keeping it positive. But if I were to really ask him, hey, how are you really, how are you really doing? His response would have been this. I'm lonely and I'm tired. Uh, My body is just broken because I've gone through beating after beating um, I'm, just, I'm just discouraged because my friends aren't with me anymore. I'm all alone. People are opposing me. Um, and, and now I, I don't really have a real good job. And so I'm working six days a week, and I'm trying to serve God on the seventh. And I'm just getting burned out, and I'm just overwhelmed and exhausted. That would have been his answer. You know what his name was? His name is Paul. Paul. And uh, you may not see it right away in the text, but what I want to do is just, just so you know, I want you to know that Paul, he can identify with you. If you're feeling discouraged today, if you're feeling overwhelmed or worn out or, or lonely or, or, or just just going through some grief, Paul can identify with you. And what God wants to do in this passage is he wants to minister to Paul in a way that, uh, that it's all right for him to not be okay. It's all right for him to come to God just as he is, and, and God wants to give him some things that I, I believe are going to also minister to you as well if you'll receive them from the Lord. And so as we, as we uh, get into God's Word today, let's pray first, and let's, let's ask God to, to speak to us in a way that uh, will, will change us. So let's pray together. Father, thank you that we can go to your Word today. Lord, we know that there is a reason why this, these words were written here. And God, it's written that we might uh, be edified, we might learn, we might grow, and we might know that we're just not alone. And so, so God, we just, uh, just pray that you'd open up your word for us this morning. And uh, God, we'd receive it and, and obey it and uh, take it in as, as, our, as for ourself, Lord. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, hey, Acts chapter 18. If you're there with me, that's uh, that's where we are starting off this morning. I have a little map that I want to want to bring up for you, um, and this is a map of Paul's second missionary journey. We we have been following Paul over the last few chapters. I think since chapter nine, when we met Paul on the road to Damascus. Uh, previously, he had been a persecutor of Christians, and God called. Paul, at that, that moment, as he, w- he was going to the city of Damascus to imprison Christians and to persecute them, he called out to Paul and said, Paul, or actually his other name was Saul, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you, Lord? He's like, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. At that moment, he was blinded, and, uh, and, and, and he became, <laughs> he turned in from, from a persecutor, he became a passionate preacher of the gospel. His life was transformed. He learned that that Jesus is who he said he was—the the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Way, the Truth, and the Life. And he went on from being a persecutor to a preacher, a powerful preacher of the gospel. And so we're, we are—we've um, been following Paul throughout his his uh, missionary journeys. We, we've we've followed him as as he's been preaching the gospel to both Jews and Gentiles. People have been saved. People are converting and following Jesus. They're hearing about who Jesus is for the first time, and they're coming to faith in him. And so, so I know this is a little bit small. If you have in the back of your Bibles, you'll probably be able to see that a little, a little bit closer. Oftentimes, you'll have a map. And you can follow this along. We, we saw Paul in the city of Athens last week, and Virginia preached, preached on that. But uh, here, as we move on, we see that he goes a little ways off to the city of of Corinth. And uh, these are two cities that um, in college I had the privilege of visiting. And uh, man, if you want to bring the Bible to life, you'll, be, you'll take some of those, those trips as well. I, I uh, see them as been so influential just in my own understanding of Scripture. But Paul goes off, and this is not a far journey from Athens to Corinth, but these are two very different cities. Athens, if you remember, was a city full of of philosophers and intellectuals. And and so he was able to preach a very intellectually-based message, convincing them that Jesus is the Son of God, that that He is is the unknown God that they had been searching for and the creator of everything. But as he goes on to Corinth, we see in verse 18 that, that he leaves Athens and he goes to Corinth... And uh, this city was a very different city. And so let's, let's look at verse 1 with me. Acts chapter 18, verse 1. It says, After this, Paul left Athens, and he went to Corinth. Very quick transition here to another city, but, but he is on a journey. He is traveling, and his purpose is to preach the gospel. Corinth was a city that, uh, if, you, if you see it on the map, it was an important crossroads of trade and travel. It had some some different ship ports and so it had a lot of culture that would travel through it as well as, as products that, that people would buy and sell. But it also had a had a reputation, much like different states in you know in, in our United States have different reputations, just like different countries have reputations and even cities have reputations. And so before we talk about the reputation of, of Corinth, let, let's just first talk about some of our own rep, reputations here in the United States. I'm going to see if you can identify the reputation that different, different cities and states have. Let's start with some cities. When I say what happens in Vegas, Vegas stays in Vegas, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay? Actually, they changed their, their uh, statement to say what happens here stays here, okay? But I don't think they'll ever change what happens in Vegas, Okay? Now, let's, let's see if you know this one. What is the city that never sleeps? Where's that? What is that? New York. New York. That's right. Who said New York? Yeah. Okay. How about this one? The sweetest place on earth. Who said Hershey? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good job. Hershey PA. If you got Hershey PA. Um, let's move on to some states. You'll, be, you'll, you'll know this one right away find it here. Ohio. Ohio, Ohio, quick on the draw. All right. How about this one? Find your happiness. This is the hardest one of them all. Find your happiness. (laughs) I guess you don't all live in Pennsylvania, right? (laughs) There's a reason why. (laughs) And uh, maybe, um, maybe the easiest one of them all, wild and wonderful. West Virginia, yes. All right. Well, praise God, we are, we are in the state that is almost heaven, right? Almost heaven, West Virginia. Well, hey, um, each of these cities had have a reputation. Each of these states have a reputation, and Corinth had a reputation, but it was not a good reputation. Um, they were known as a city that was full of sexual immorality, of, of prostitution. And um, this was this was something that they became very well known for. If you had someone that, if you if you had a Corinthian companion that was known as a prostitute, and uh, that was just something that they they just practiced, and it was it was kind of like their everyday life. It was just part of how they lived. And Paul, he actually, he, he wrote about this in one of his books. If you read in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he wrote about something that the Corinthians would say to each other. He, he, would, he, he wrote and said, all things are lawful for me. And you'll notice that is in quotations. It's because this is something that the Corinthians would say to each other. They would just say on the street, hey, all things are lawful for me. And they would use that to justify all kinds of immoral behavior. They say, well, as as long as I'm not hurting anybody, you know, and I'm not breaking the law, it doesn't matter, right? But what, what Paul said in response to that was, but not all things are helpful. Not all things are helpful. Just because this is a free country does not mean that you are free of the consequences of your choices, and he was trying to show that to the Corinthians. And, and I, I believe that if, if Paul were to come to the United States, he would also say, hey, you have a very similar statement to the Corinthians. What do we say? We say, it's, it's a free country. This is a free country. And we use that in a both positive way and a negative way to justify a lot of the decisions and choices that we make um, I'll, I'll just be honest, man, we, we will not be free of the consequences of the choices that we are making today in regards to sexuality. And even recently with an undefinition of marriage that, that uh, has been legislated, um, we are not free of those consequences. That is exactly what Paul was saying when he, he came to the city of Corinth. Now, Corinth was a dark place, but what I like about Paul is that he was not afraid of the dark places. He didn't just go to the easy places to go to. Um, what, what I know about Paul is that he, go, he went to the dark places because he knew that it was in those dark places that the light of Jesus shines brighter. And, and so he did the hard thing. And, and we know that uh, as he considered the culture of Corinth, it led him to compassion, and that compassion led him to action, just like it did in the book in, in the city of Athens. So as he came into the city, I want you to notice, first of all, that, that Paul is all alone. He's all alone, and this is an important factor that I want you to know. He was alone in Athens. He was doing ministry alone, and he travels from Athens alone to the city of Corinth, still alone, okay? Now, I just want to tell you, if you're feeling discouraged If you're feeling worn out, oftentimes there is an underlying cause for your discouragement. And uh, for Paul, the underlying cause was that he was lonely. It was one one of the main things that was going on. He was trying to do things alone. He was going at ministry alone. And God knew that Paul needed people. He needed people. He didn't need more Facebook friends. He didn't need more followers. He didn't didn't, uh, need more influence. No, Paul needed real relationships with people. And so can I just tell you what is awesome here is we're going to see in the second verse is that the church is the original social network. Yeah, it is. And that's today what it's supposed to be. Um, and, And I'm blessed to see that that is happening in our church. But we see for Paul that this was going on that he meets some people that he he finds a bond with. In verse 2, it says that he found a Jew, a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. Now, isn't that really interesting? Paul meets a couple that he finds a bond with. Not only did they have a common profession, they had a common faith. Now, we don't know if Paul led them to faith or if they came from Rome and they already had heard about Jesus and were following him. All in all, they found a bond together and they started working together. They they formed a a small community. community. And so Paul, who was alone, found relationships with people who were like-minded that he could work with and do life with. Now, let's just talk a little bit about what he did. It says that they were both tent makers by trade. Now, it seems like kind of a funny profession because, uh, you, know, we, you know, our mind probably goes to, did he work at Cabela's? Or like, is he working for REI? You know, is he promoting like, you know, this kind of adventurous living? Like, we don't sleep in tents unless we really have to, Okay. Um, our kids, they, they, uh, always love to set up our tent in the, you know, in the living room. And so <laughs> it got set up so much that they actually broke it. And, uh, and so right now we're just like, yeah, we're done with tenting. And so we just threw it in the trash because we're just like, we're not, you know, then when our kids ask if we have to go, if we can go tent camping, we're like, oh, sorry, we can't, we don't have a tent. So, <laughs> but, um, as you're thinking about Paul, um, his profession was making a tent. Actually, more accurately is he was a leather worker. That was his profession. He worked with leather and, and made all kinds of leather goods. Now, so you understand this: this was, not, this was not a good job. This was probably one of the lowest jobs on the totem pole, and I'll tell you why. It's because in order to stretch leather, they had to use urine in order to do it. And so you can just imagine the way that these people smelled. Um this is disgusting kind of work. It's it's much worse than than working the drive-through or you know working at McDonald's. Okay? This this is disgusting disgusting work. And uh it's what Paul had to do in order to make a living. You'll notice he took this with him wherever he went. If he needed money, if he needed food, if he needed th- needed a place to, to stay. needed to pay for rent, man. He got out his needle. He got out his thread. And he was a remote worker. He worked when he had to. And he worked hard. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's what you, you notice about Paul. Is he did what was necessary, necessary in order to get the work done. But it wasn't, I'll, I'll say this, it wasn't always done in a healthy way. Um, there are people today... I'll, I'll also tell you that work as tent makers. You may have, have heard that as, as a form of ministry. Um, when someone, say, goes to China to teach English as a second language, but they're really there to preach the gospel, they're a tent maker. Um, I even know locally that there are some pastors that they work Monday through Friday at their day job maybe they were you know some of them work uh, locally even at at Ace but on the weekends what are they doing they're preaching the gospel they're leading a church and uh, man if you ever see any of them that are working two jobs like that thank them because they're doing a good work but I'll tell you man it is it is hard work and uh and and they don't get the breaks that they need to it's often even when a church is being planted sometimes that pastor decides you know what i'm passionate about this and so i'm going to i'm going to work my day job and then i'm going to going to preach on the weekends that's exactly what paul was doing don't be confused though paul's profession was making tents but his passion was the gospel his passion was the gospel maybe you feel that same way yourself Maybe you feel like, yeah, you know, I'm working Monday through Friday at my day job, but my real passion is preaching the gospel. It's, it's what I'm doing at church. It's, it's, uh, it's teaching, teaching scripture, leading my 242 group, or, or uh, preaching, preaching at Valley Church, or, you know, filling the pulpit at places. God may be calling you into full-time ministry, but right now, God may be calling you to work kind of as a tent maker, bivocationally, supplying your needs in that way when a church isn't at a place where it can support you. That may be what God is calling you to do, but maybe it's not healthy to do that forever, okay? Because we see what it did to Paul. It says in Acts chapter 18, verse 4, keep on reading with me, it says, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and tried to persuade Jews greeks so paul is a tent maker sunday through friday and on saturday on the sabbath day he's there in the synagogue reasoning and discussing and debating and preaching about jesus christ and so as we as we see as as it goes on there there's energy lives are being changed people people's lives are turning around they're they're seeing the light they're coming to know jesus but at the same time, we, we also see that Paul is not taking any time to rest. He's going 100 miles an hour. He's living like everything depends on him. He's, he's living like a human doing and not like a human being. And we can do that same thing as well, can't we? You may not be doing the same thing as Paul, but, but uh, out of the Ten Commandments, we somehow are considering that one of them is optional. One of the Ten Commandments, it it actually says this, um, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord, to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. If you think about this, God, he calls one day out of our week holy. And it's not just any day that you might want to choose. No, it's actually one day and it's actually Saturday. What we know is Saturday is the seventh day of the week. And uh, there's, there's some things that, that God just designed within His creation. Actually, at the beginning of creation, it says that there was evening and there was morning. Every single day of creation, He says there was evening and there was morning. You think, why didn't He say in there was morning and there was evening? It's because He wanted us to work from rest and not for rest. He wanted us to start our day with rest. Okay, and, and he designed that in in the way that he ordered the week as well. He wanted us to work not for rest, but from rest. He knows that we need rest. And so so whatever your schedule is, if it's kind of crazy like like Paul and and man, you're you're living for the weekend, but you're finding that on the weekend you're just living even harder? You're pushing yourself even harder? Can I just, can I just say in order to honor God and honor yourself and your body? Well, God built in to the structure of the week is a day for rest. And uh, if you can take advantage of it, it's a blessing. It is a blessing. It will be a blessing to your soul. And God calls that day holy. He gave it to us as a gift. If you're feeling discouraged, like Paul, Are you lonely? That's one thing to check. God may want to give you some companions. Second, are you tired? Are you tired? Because God wants to give you rest. He wants to give you rest. As we keep on going here, there's another thing that that God gave Paul. Verse 5, God gave Paul not only people, not only rest, but he gave Paul some companions, some partners in ministry. Verse five, it says, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. And so so think about this. When, When Silas and Timothy, they came from Macedonia all the way over to Corinth, what did they come to do? They'd come to encourage Paul. They come to supply his needs. Actually, Paul writes about that in 2 Corinthians. He, he wrote about this encounter. And when, when his friends came, it says, When I was with you, in 2 Corinthians eleven nine, 9, he says, When I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. He was working hard. He didn't burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. These friends of his... Timothy and Silas, what did they come to do? They come to hold up his arms so that, that Paul could devote himself to, to the preaching of the Word and wouldn't have to work that disgusting job Monday, you know, Friday through through, through, Saturday, through Sunday. and He wouldn't have to do that anymore. They came to support him and to meet his needs. God knew that Paul needed rest. God knew that Paul needed people. God knew that Paul needed partners, and so we see God supplied those things for him so that he could go ahead and do the work that he was called to do. And so if, if you're feeling discouraged, can I just just uh, encourage you with this? Um, it is important that you find people to walk with and that will support you and encourage you and speak life into you. Um, it's part of why we started 242 that we're, we're you know, gathering every week um, in small groups of uh, you know, six to eight people where we're devoting ourselves to prayer and to fellowship, the study of God's Word, and the breaking of bread. We're eating together and we're, we're meeting together once a week so that we can, we can support each other as we walk with Jesus. And it's, it's, it's another reason why um, when we talk about partnership and, and membership in the church, It's part of why we do that together, because we need to realize we're not doing this alone, that we're not trying to seek and serve and send alone. We're not Lone Ranger Christians. No, we are a community that are devoted to this together. And so uh, if you're not a member yet at Valley Church and you're seeing the great things that that are happening here, um, man, consider those two things. If you want to find partners in life and in ministry join a 242 group, talk to us about that, write it out on your connection card, say, I'm interested in that. And if you want to join us in ministry as well, say, hey, I, I'd, I'd like to attend that membership class next week. We're having that next week. And uh, it's a way that you can partner with us here in that way, just like Silas and Timothy partnered with Paul so that he wouldn't be alone. So because Paul had partners, he could focus on preaching the gospel ministering to people's needs. But you know, here's where things get interesting. And here's where, where conflict comes, because whenever God is doing something big, expect that Satan is going to attack. Verse verse 6, it says this, when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now I will go to the Gentiles. What just happened here? Paul, he's been ministering to these people, but yet now they're starting to criticize him. They're starting to oppose him. And he's like, man, you can say whatever you want about me, but don't don't mock my Jesus. And so he does what, what Jesus taught his disciples to do, Shake it off, okay? And Taylor Swift taught us that one as well, didn't she, okay? But uh, that's what he does. He literally shakes off his garments like, I don't want anything to do with you, okay? And he goes, and you think he's going to leave, okay? You think he's just going to take his stuff and just leave. But actually what happens is we see he goes next door. How would we feel like if that happened here? They go over to the D&D motel. "Ah, You don't want to listen to me. I'm just going to go over to the hotel and I'm going to preach there. That's what he did. Look at this. It says, uh, verse 7 it says, He left there and he went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Oh boy. <laughs> verse 8 Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. Did you catch just what happened? Paul's leaving the synagogue, going next door. Titus is house, and the ruler of the synagogue decides, "Hey, I'm leaving the synagogue. I'm coming next door, because you have Jesus." And he and his whole family believe in Jesus, and a bunch of other Corinthians, they start to believe and follow Jesus as well. Isn't that just how God works? God is good. And he's doing a great work in a dark place. But you know, then verse nine comes, and, and I believe it's kind of a little bit of a surprise because we think, man, God's doing some awesome work. He's he's providing people, he's providing rest, he's he's providing partners for Paul, you know, he's winning great victories. But you know, Paul is still probably discouraged and tired and feeling broken and beaten and and probably afraid you know, if, if you placed yourself in Paul's shoes, I, I guarantee you, you would be too. That even though you know God is good, life still is bad sometimes. And, and, and God wanted to, to give him some words of encouragement. He gives him some rest. And it says in verse 9 that Paul is sleeping, and he has a vision. Let's read it together. It says, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, But go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Here's what God wanted Paul to receive as he was feeling discouraged, as he was feeling all alone. And just just take these words and think about how Paul would have been receiving them for himself. Do not be afraid, Paul. God was saying, I'm I'm present with you. Do not fear. I'm right beside you. Go on speaking. Do not be silent. You remember when I called you on that road to Damascus? Remember when you were blind? And I told you, you're going to be an instrument of mine, I'm going to use you powerfully? Go on speaking. Go on speaking. Do not be silent. You've faced a lot of discouragement. you faced a lot of threats. You feel like quitting, but don't. Don't be silent. I've given you a purpose in this dark place that you feel like you're in right now. I've given you a purpose. I'm with you. And no one will attack to harm you. God's talking about his, his protection. And they may stone you, they may beat you, they may punish you, attack you, torture you, they may try to bring an end to your life. But I am with you and I will protect you. And maybe the most encouragement encouraging thing of them all for I have many in this city who are my people. That's a promise, isn't it? I have many in the city who are my people. You feel alone? You are not alone. You feel like you're the only one. You're not the only one. You feel like everything depends on you. Feel all this weight and pressure upon you. It does not depend on you. Depends on me. Because I have people and I have partners. I've got a community that's, that's there with you to know that you don't have to be alone. Don't be afraid. Go on speaking. I'm with you. You are not the only one. I have you right where I want you to be. And so as we close today, let's just, let's just even think about these words ourselves. Let's close our eyes, let's bow our heads, even just take take a deep breath, you know, just just coming into to a place where where we're finding some rest ourselves and finding a little peace ourselves. Because I know that um, I know that we're not all okay, you know, as we come to church. And God wants to speak some words of, words of life into you right now. If, if you were Paul um, and dealing with, dealing with being afraid, dealing with discouragement, dealing with some hardship, whatever it is for you, receive these words of, of Jesus for you. He wants to let you know, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I am present with you. I'm right beside you. Go on speaking. Do not be silent. I've given you a purpose in this dark place that you find yourself in right now. And I am with you. I am with you. God is with you. No one will attack to harm you. Whatever has happened to you or whatever may happen or whatever you fear is going to happen, it is not outside of my sovereign control. I'm with you. Receive those words. I'm with you and I will protect you. For I have many in this city who are my people. Receive that promise of God for you. You may feel like you're all alone. You may feel like you're the only one. You may feel like it all depends on you. All the pressure of the world is upon you. But you can lay that pressure on the feet of Jesus. He's saying, don't be afraid. Go on speaking. I'm with you. You are not the only one. I have you right where I want you to be. Believe it and receive it. Jesus, we thank you for these words of encouragement to us in a place when we feel like we're not okay. God, thank you that it's okay not to be okay. And God, that you sent your son Jesus to minister to us in our need To be the way and the truth and the life god i i want to just just thank you for the peace and comfort that we can have in knowing you in times of trouble to know that you are with us and that we are not alone we thank you that in paul's life we can see that example lord that you used him even though he was discouraged even though he was tired even though he was depressed god You didn't leave him in that place. God, you gave him people. You gave him partners. You gave him rest. God, you gave him your your presence. You gave him purpose. You gave him your promises. You gave him protection, God. And so, Lord, we ask for that same thing right now from you, Lord Jesus. As you keep on praying today, maybe you would say, like Paul, you know, I'm not okay, I'm discouraged. I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I'm insecure, I'm lonely, I'm hurting, I'm worn out, I'm overwhelmed, wherever you find yourself to be, and you just want Jesus to meet you in that place, to just say, Jesus, I'm not okay, I need you right now. You just raise your hand, I want to just pray for you. I want to just pray that God would minister to your need right now. Raise up your hand if you just want to meet Jesus in that place if you want his people if you want his presence yes praise God if you want his purpose his protection yeah I want to just pray for you right now that God would minister to you in that place where you find yourself right now God we pray that you would meet each one in the place where you have them God it's not by accident that they're in in the place where you've put them God that you would say I have you right to where I want you Lord help us to know that and to trust that you will work everything for good for those who love you for those who are called according to your purpose god i pray that this week you would surround them with your presence and with people god that you'd give them rest god that they'd be able to surrender their feelings of pressure and feelings of aloneness to you Lord Jesus and that God you would just meet them with your presence and your purpose and your peace. God we know that you are with us. God and that you're close to us when we're broken hearted. God minister right now to your people we pray. As you keep on praying today can I just tell you maybe you're here at church and you're asking the the question also. Who is Jesus and how can I be saved? Can I just encourage you and just tell you this, Jesus is the Son of God. He came down to this life. He came to us while we were still sinners, it says, that Christ died for us. He took upon the justice and wrath of God that we deserve. And Scripture says that if you place your faith in Him, If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And so if that is you today and you just want to have that assurance, that hope of knowing Jesus, being secure for eternity, would you repent of your sins and say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I know that Jesus, you died on the cross to save me. I want to be your child. I want to follow you. I want you to lead me in this life. If that's you, would you just raise up your hand just as a way to express that to God. And I want to just lead you in a prayer, prayer that can help help you follow after Jesus and receive him today. Yeah, if that's you, just raise up your hand. Yeah, praise God. Yes, amen, amen. If you're coming to Jesus and confessing your faith in him today, would you just pray along with me in church? We can just affirm that together. Lord Jesus, we believe in you. God when we were still sinners Lord you died for us Lord you didn't stay dead you rose again and Jesus I believe that you are the way and the truth and the life I repent of my sins and I give my life to you make me your child I pray in Jesus name amen amen lord thank you for the way that uh, you're you're changing lives here at valley church god would you continue to do that and move us to greater obedience to you thank you god for the work that you're doing in jesus name amen thank you for listening to this week's message from valley church if you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow jesus We would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.